Hello and thank you again for joining us for the Crossroads Baptist Church radio broadcast ministry. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that is being strong, having strength as a Christian. Now I say it's near and dear to my heart. I don't mean that in a a prideful or arrogant way. I'm, I'm not nearly as strong as I ought to be, but I believe there's so many people out there today that just don't see, don't, don't show a desire for strength in their spiritual life. You, you see people that uh, they try to learn a skill, they try to learn a trait, they try to be the best they can be at different things, and I just don't see a whole lot of people making their walk with God a priority the way that they make other things in their life a priority, and I think that that's a dangerous precedent, that's a dangerous thing to have in your life, dangerous priority to have in your life, because if we are not strong in the Lord, then we are going to fail as Christians. We're going to have a, a, a rough time, spiritually speaking, uh, in our in our walk with God. We're going to have a hard time if we do not allow ourselves to be or make ourselves by study and prayer and all these things. If we don't try to be strong in the Lord, uh, then we're going to be walking around as weak Christians and that's not a very good thing. And so today, uh, we're going to take just a few moments here and study the Word of God, see what it has to tell us about being strong in the Lord, what we can do to be strong, and why that's important, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your Word. Help us now as we study it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, that's a, that's a blessed verse. A lot of people probably know that, maybe have memorized that verse when they were young. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It just, it's an encouraging verse to think about you know, having the strength of God in our lives. Um, there's, there's three things that I believe every Christian ought to be strong in in order to face the challenges of living in this sinful world. Because the, the world's not getting any better. It seems that the culture is is drifting more and more towards apostasy, more and more towards wickedness. And though I'd love to see a change in that, uh, that change is not going to happen with a bunch of weak Christians walking around there. So we have to be strong in some things. And, And I hope you'll bear with me as we study out three things I think we need to be strong in as Christians. First of all, we need to be strong in our faith. We need to be strong in our faith, mainly because we will be tested. If you if you even sort of have a testimony where you work, or where you live, where you, where you go to school, whatever age you're in, if you even sort of have a testimony of being a Christian, there will come a time when your faith is tested by those around you. People asking what you believe or why you believe it, or, or maybe even just coming to you in anger about something that they heard that maybe you did believe. I've had that happen to me in high school before. And uh, so do you, you know, let me just ask, do you believe the Bible is God's word, that it's inerrant, infallible, perfect, that every word of God is pure and true. Do you believe in the virgin birth of Christ? Do you believe the deity of Christ, the Red Sea crossing in the Old Testament, David and Goliath, Jonah and the whale? Do you believe the gospel story? Do you believe in the resurrection of Christ? What do you believe about baptism, the Holy Ghost, the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ? What do you believe about eternity, heaven, hell, uh, the eternal state of things? What do you believe about all these things? Now, I just rattled off a big list to you, and I know that might sound kind of intimidating, but that's exactly what can happen in the world today when you start to finally speak up for the Lord and you start to say, you know what, I'm a Christian. Uh, I don't want you to talk like that. I want you to to take my name's Lord. The 
name of my Lord in vain like that, sorry. Uh, or, or you start trying to reason with people about the scripture, maybe trying to, to justify why you believe what you believe. You know, say somebody says, well, I believe in abortion. You say, well, I'm a Christian and I don't. You're going to have to back that up. You're going to have to back up that claim with scripture to show why you believe that way, because there's a whole lot of people on the other side of the aisle of the issue that, that believe that the Bible doesn't say a thing about it. And so we need to be strong in our faith because our faith will be tested. Now, please don't misunderstand me. You don't have to be a Bible scholar in order to be an effective Christian witness. Everyone starts somewhere and has to grow in their faith and knowledge. That being said, if you, like many proclaiming Christians today, have sort of borrowed your faith from your parents and adopted your beliefs from your church without ever knowing why you believe those things, then those beliefs will be picked apart by the people that hate God. I've seen it happen time and again in public outreach events and things when uh, somebody will come up to a person from our group and, and they'll say, you know, hey, well, I, you know, I believe this. What do you think? And, and they just freeze. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. And, and I'm not faulting them for that. It's just a natural reaction sometimes when you're in that new environment, uh, when you're new to, to that type of thing. But it's important that we understand not only do I know that I believe this, but I know from the Bible why I believe it. A lot of people just blindly following their church and their church leaders and their parents and all that. And I understand respect for authority. I understand, you know, trustworthy people and all that. But God is the final authority. God's word is the final authority in our lives. You ought to make sure that everything I say is backed up by Scripture. You ought to make sure that anything anyone says is backed up by Scripture. And so you need to believe and I need to believe what we believe based out of the Word of God. Now, for example, if I were to ask you uh, why you believe something in your response is, well, I heard it on YouTube, that's not good enough. God told us in His Word in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. There are not more than one truths in the Word of God. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth, that casts out the very definition of the word truth. Truth is truth. Facts are facts, and they don't care about your feelings. I'm sorry to say, but it's true. The word of God means what it means and says what it says. There's not a whole bunch of different interpretations of, well, I feel like it means this, I feel like it means that. Well, let me show you what the Bible says about that. First, uh, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, Bible says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That the penmen of the scriptures, God is the author, but the men that held the pens, they didn't insert their truth. They followed the Holy Ghost's leading, and that's exactly what we ought to do. Now you can teach a hundred different lessons out of one passage, but there is not more than one different truth. There aren't contradictory truths in the word of God. By the time I got to a secular college, I had been, uh, I had taught Bible studies in my public school. I had been through a semester of Bible college. I, I was the youth pastor of my church. And even through all that, I still had to look people in the eyes sometime and say, you know what? I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I don't have a verse for you. Let me look into it and get back with you. I had standoffs with teachers in high school, professors in college, employers, coworkers, neighbors. If you stand strong in your faith, you will eventually meet opposition 
And if you're going to stand there and say abortion is wrong, study the Bible and find out why. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, that body, that baby in the womb is already, already a human by God's standards, already a living soul. Uh, drinking is a sin. I won't do it. Well, you better study the Bible and find out why. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 1, is one of hundreds of, of verses that you could go to about that. Fornication is wicked. I'm going to stay pure until marriage. Why? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about that. Now, the Bible tells us that fornication is a sin against our own bodies, not just against God. And so we, we need to, if we're going to have a stand, if we're going to make a stand, which we should... If we ever want to see revival in our land, if we ever want to see God uh, move in a, such a way as has happened in the past, we need to stand up and be Christians again. We need to stand up and not be afraid. We need to be strong in the Lord. And when we start doing that, our faith will be tested. Your beliefs will be tested. If you don't know something, pull out that Bible. The answer is there. Your King James Bible isn't like school textbooks that are often rewritten when new findings prove old teachings false or when culture and public opinion shifts. God's word is true from cover to cover and it will never change, nor should it. For your walk with God to survive in this world, you must be strong in your faith. You must also believe God and his word above all else and know why. I think the second thing we need to be strong in as Christians is, is in our witness. We're going to be watched. If people know that you're a Christian, they're going to watch you and, and see how you behave. And you may be the only example of Christ to someone. Will they see Christ in your actions? Will they see Christ in your convictions? Where you will go, where you won't go, what you will do, what you won't do. The term Christian means Christ-like one. Consider this thought. When you say, I'm a Christian, that means I'm a Christ-like one. That also means Christ is like me. You're, you're essentially saying Christ is like me. Look at me. This is what Christ is like because I am a Christ-like one. Uh, that's a convicting thought for those of us who, who throw that term around. Uh, everybody, you know, they're, they're saved people who are born again, praise the Lord, and they're believers, but they don't act like Christians all the time. And I, I always, there's always times in my life where I don't necessarily do exactly what the Lord would do in a moment. And so... To be a Christian is the goal, but it's not an automatic thing. Uh, we have to live like Christ in order to be considered a Christian, uh, whether we're saved or not. Now, um, of course, you can't be a Christian and not, and not be saved, but you get what I'm saying there. First Thessalonians chapter number 2, at verse number 11, the Bible says, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. We need to be strong in our witness, in our testimony. Uh, we we got to remember it's not enough to just live right and hope others notice. God told us in Mark 16, 15 to go into all the world and preach the gospel. God desires us not just to behave well, but also to speak the wonderful words of life to all who will hear. If all you have is lifestyle evangelism uh, and lifestyle testimony, then you have no Christian testimony. Buddhists can live decent moral lives and and I insert whatever belief you want in there, insert whatever false religion you want in there. They can live decent moral lives by most people's standards. Just living a decent moral life does not make people say, oh, look, there's Christ in you. You need to have that Christian testimony along with the preaching of the word and the, and the verbal testimony. We need to be strong in the faith. We need to be strong in our witness. And, and lastly, we need to be strong in our love for Christ. In our love for Christ. Why? Well, because he, he kind of deserves it. 
He deserves the preeminence in our lives. What's the most important thing to you? Is it is it college or job or sports or friends? Where does Jesus Christ fit into your list of priorities? And, you know, it's easy for people to say, well, he's on top. Does your schedule reflect, reflect that? Do you go to church more than once a week? Do you watch your TV more than once a week? Do you do you watch your sports team you know, more than once a week, depending on the sport? There's just so many examples of how we, we think that Christ is our top priority, but our actions and our schedules say otherwise. Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Our love for Christ, we ought to be strong in our love for Christ because he deserves the preeminence in our lives. He desires fellowship in our lives. The creator of the universe desires a relationship with you and with me. That is such a blessing. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The idea that if I pursue a relationship with the Lord, he's going to pursue me right back and he loves me and he cares for me and he hears my prayers. That is a, an incredible blessing. We need to remember, though, too, that if we're going to be strong in our love for Christ, he demands righteousness in our lives. God does care how we live. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. We see in John 14.15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. You wouldn't really believe that your wife loved you if she never did anything you said. You wouldn't really believe your husband loved you if he never did anything you asked him to do or, or you know, you hate to say the word obey in, in marriage relationship nowadays, it's a trigger word, but if he never obeyed you or if she never obeyed you, you'd kind of question how much they truly loved you. Uh, so we ought to do the same in our love for Christ. We ought to obey his word. We ought to seek to obey him. Uh, why should we do all this? Why does it matter what I believe? Why does it matter whether or not I witness? Why does it matter if Christ is first in my life or not? Why does it matter if I pray or obey his word? Why should I care at all about any of this? Because he died for me. He paid the price I could not pay. Revelation 1.5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We owe it all to God. We owe it all to Christ. 1 John 4.10 says, Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. It is up to, up to you and me to change this world for Jesus Christ. It's up to us to spark revival in the land and turn people back to God. And we can do it, but we'll have to be strong in him.